0: Hello, welcome to Carton Blue. I'm Dan and joined this morning by John Townley. Uh, John, how are you?
1: I'm well, thanks, Dan. Got a new mic, a bit of a yeah. new background, and it looks a bit more professional. So yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm well, thank you.
0: Yeah, sounding good, sounding clear. Thanks for uh, for getting that sorted. Today we're here to talk about Munchie and it's going to be the classic kind of new starter um, kit that we do when, when somebody new joins the club in terms of a manager or uh, an important position at the club. Their to-do list, their in their their things that they need to fix at Aston Villa, that kind of vibe. We've picked seven things that Munchie has on his to-do list at Aston Villa. First of all, before we get into those specifically, how do you kind of react to and, and feel about that appointment? It feels like it feels like a big deal to me.
1: Yeah, I think it's a very good appointment. We know that obviously Villa targeted Alemania before uh, before Monchi, but talks have been going on for a little while now. So clearly a person that Emery knows very well, having worked with him for three years it's in, in Seville. He's known to Damian Vidigani as well, who is the new director of football operations. So it's like a... A trio between them, they they all know each other. They mm. all have uh, successful working relationships in previous roles. Emery was with Vidigani in Valencia. Ev- everything to sort of build around Emery is fine by me. And according to Suiris and the hierarchy at the club as well, that's the sort of avenue that they want to go down now. They want to back the manager. They're not going to sort of force any decisions or personnel onto him. Mm. Emery's got a big... Say on those football decisions as as we've seen now uh, with Vidigani with Monchi coming in and that's only going to be a positive thing for Villa moving forward. So yeah, I, I don't think they could have had much of a better appointment um, from a, from a football perspective to bring in Monchi because of the success he's had specifically with Emery. I think that's the key thing for me. have yeah. we'll gone to um, you know Roma for example didn't go so well, and um, every transfer a sporting director or a transfer specialist will make is gonna. Um, be perfect, but more often than not, he's done uh, very well, and especially, as I say, with Emery. Um, so he, he can identify players for that specific coach. Mm. There's no reason why he can't do that again. <laughs> you know, to see it, to some great success with Villa. So for me, really good appointment.
0: Before it was confirmed that it was going to be Monchi we kind of felt like it was going to be him, and it kind of rumbled on for a week or ten days or so. That when we did a video at Hockey Social Club a couple of weeks ago, now it was like we won't go into it too much in too much detail in case it doesn't happen and we get hit with the Alamania strike that we do a whole video about it. I mean, it, it goes nowhere I think I said in that that you want this almost like power dynamic of your sporting director in Monchie and then your manager in, in Emery to be like just let them do whatever they want if they think something's going to work they know each other well Alemania and Emery you know let's let's go for that and I was kind of saying let's just let them two do everything obviously the Alemania thing falls through the interesting thing with this is like you said that Emery and Monchi know each other and have worked together before and had success together before. So I was all on board for Emery and Alaman to go off and and work this kind of dream team. And they'd not worked together before in in football, as far as I'm aware. So for Monchi and Emery to go off and work together and they've already had success already, to me that's like, go on lads, you've done it before, do it at Villa now.
1: Yeah, precisely. And again, there's no reason, there's no suggestions that wouldn't happen again because the way that Monchi operates, he works very closely with the head coach of the club that he's working at so it's very important that he knows exactly what the coach needs and Mm -hmm. they can communicate and cooperate with it so that is a key reason for why i think this appointment is a very good one. If it was maybe a different manager and potentially, I don't know, we still had Steven Gerrard and Monchi was working with Steven Gerrard then it might have been a success but you couldn't predict that. You, you want it to be a relationship where they say, I don't want to buy this player because of X and then Emery changes his mind and says, actually yeah, I think you're correct, that sort of thing. You don't want Emery just to say, I want this player and Monchi says, oh yeah, sure, and gives in you to, it, guess, it, man. to Yeah, exactly that. Just on Alamania and Monchi, from the outside anyway, they seem to be two very different sort of sporting directors, if that makes sense, and I know the role is a uh, president at football operations but in the roles that they've had previously at clubs so it's interesting how that dynamic sort of played out Monchi's role is going to be identifying players and working with Emery to find the right players and get you know, deal was done. Alemania's all at Barcelona was different. Listen, Emery's got his man that he wanted after Alemania and someone that I think does a specific role better than Alemania anyway. Just a bit of an interesting sort of quirk, I think.
0: Let's get into the to-do list then. I mean, we already started talking about kind of the structure there and that be one of the things on the list and we'll leave that till later in the show. Number one then, and Again, when we did the video that you did at my house here, and we did the the five steps for Unai Emery to get into European football, it was very much like, this is the title I've got as we record it. By the time I come to edit it, I might change it and word it slightly differently. So this is what we've got as of right now. Number one, help give Unai Emery the tools he needs, is what we've got as the first task on his to-do list. Now, obviously that is signing players, and we'll come to that in a, in a little bit. But it's almost just kind of... Because they've worked together before and they know each other. Emery's the main man, isn't he? We've talked about this before on the podcast in in our, our last video. So enable him. For, for is Monchi's job to an effect, and yes, that comes down to players, but also support and having the kind of right infrastructure around him. You know, and we all know that you know Emery is an elite coach and can hopefully do big things with Aston Villa and win trophies and be successful and whatnot. But he needs to have the right people around him to help him do that. And Monchi's first job is to help enable Emery and give him the tools to be successful here.
1: Yeah, and that kind of follows on the conversation that we were having a couple of weeks ago about Emery for everything that he is and because he's an elite manager, that doesn't give him the divine right to come into a club and suddenly just work magic. It it doesn't work like that. He needs foundations in place to do it and that's probably half the reason why he came to Villa in the first place because he saw a Mm. set of players who he knew he could sort of impart his wisdom on and I always say they're very coachable players as we've seen Ollie Watkins John McGinn Sarum, the whole lot of them all of them have improved dramatically under Emery he knows which clubs he can go in and make an impact on i.e. Sevilla, Villarreal and now Villa <laughs> there's a lot of Villas there isn't there <laughs> so it's key for that reason that we now have Monchi who will listen to Emery and take on what he wants and work tirelessly to bring him the players that he, know will, that he knows will improve improve the team so Monchi's process at least at Severe, and I know this will be tweaked and adapted as the years have gone on but his he sticks to what he knows and sort of knows what he will bring or, or what can bring success to a club so he'll identify hundreds of players but he'll sit down with Emery and discuss what exactly he needs so does he need a right back mm. that can cover um, a certain distance over the course of 90 minutes and that can put in this amount of tackles per 90 and all, all these different things and it's much more detailed than what I've just said there but a specific player of what Emery needs in his team so for example we know that he wants. A wide player, so Emery will say to Montreal, "I want a wide player," and he needs to have these sort of, um, I don't know, numerical references to you know to be targeted. And he'll go away and look at those players, and he'll come back and say, "Okay, these are the five or six players I've got." And then, mm. as negotiations go on with those clubs and those players, then those lists you know, slowly go down even more. So, mm. yeah, that's his sort of process. It's having a big bank of players and having profiles on every on every one of them, but then it's understanding exactly what Emery wants, and that's key because. Emery knows what he wants from his team other managers might not and they'll need the sort of lead from different sporting directors and it'll be up to them to identify in, in the positions where they need to improve and then that's when clashes happen and, this, and and there's like disruptions in the boardrooms and stuff Emery knows what he needs and what he wants and now it's up to Monchi to identify the player that yeah. um, will come in and ultimately make a difference so yeah, that's his sort of process again, it's much more detailed that I'm sure but that's the sort of the groundwork I suppose that you could say that Monchi will be doing
0: yeah, I'd urge people to go back and listen to or watch our most recent show about. I think it was called "Tall to Do" and Emery and obsession with Aston Villa because things we said in that about Emery, the same can be said of of Monty, The things that I've read about him, he seems to have this kind of obsessive personality of like wanting to do everything as best as good as possible. And- Again, it's easy to say. Obviously, everyone wants to go into work and do the best job they can, but it feels like a kind of powerhouse team there that, that Villa have assembled off the pitch and touch wood, it can only kind of prove prove successful. Number two on the to-do list, identify strengths and weaknesses in the current first-team squad. Some of the things we're going to talk about here are very obvious, very um, almost cliched things to say, like one of them later on is sign the right players. Like, well, yeah, obviously. Um, but first of all, the first step before you even start to assess what we need and who comes in and what five players we're going to spend our hundred million on is what do Villa actually need? Where are the problems in the squad? Where are they strong already? What do we actually need to do here? So assessing what Villa have done over the last 12 months or so, that's that's almost job number one, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And as I say, I think that most of that will come from memory anyway, because he knows what he yeah. wants, but um, it's up to Monchi to say back on those decisions and go away and find the players that will improve in those positions. So, And also also offer a second
0: opinion, as much as it's like Emery's king and let him do what he wants. If Emery says, "I've I've worked out this is what I think the squad Mm -hmm. should be made up of, and this player should go and this player should go," Monty coming in, who's someone who's already worked with and effectively is above Emery in terms of a kind of a hierarchy, it's a second opinion for him to assess things and say, "Well, actually, no, I think this player still has a future, or that player should be moved on, or whatever." So, as much as I agree that Emery should have kind of the keys to the kingdom. It is mm-hmm. an open-ended discussion amongst this kind yes. of new structure that Villa have got to go, well, actually, no, I think this.
1: These people aren't yes-men to Emery. He wants them around him because they're going to um, you know, push him on decisions. And ultimately, that's going to bring the best out of our decision-making process, isn't it? So I think we know a right-back. We only have one of them in the squad at the moment. A winger and a striker that also wants. So those are three positions already. And then you're looking at potentially a backup goalkeeper, depending on what uh, Emery's uh, plans are, which we don't know. On Robin Olsen mm. and whether he wants to play a second goalkeeper for potentially 20 mm. games in the season next year, if we go far in the uh, Conference League or the two domestic cups. Elsewhere, you look at potentially centre back if the right deal comes up, and as well, um, the same case for midfield as well. We are well stocked in those positions, but if the right deals come up, Villa will act on that. For example, Paul Torres, who is entering the final 12 months of his deal at Villarreal. If he decides, okay, I want to leave Villarreal now and the right deal comes up, and in terms of the valuation of that player to, to mm. strike a deal, with them, Villa will probably move for it because that won't be available in 12 months' time. So you have to build a squad. It doesn't mean that we're going to do it in... Obviously, we have priorities in the team, but as I say, when when the right deals come up, then we'll strike. If they don't, then we're going to hold off like we did in uh, January when clearly we needed a striker to compete with Ollie Watkins after Danny Ings left. But the right deal wasn't there to be done. So you hold off, don't you? You don't just waste your money on you know, 15 million, 20 million quid uh, on a striker who then a few months later you want to probably sell so yeah Yeah. that's the right decision for me to do those deals but yeah you're looking at probably five more additions something like that
0: number three sort expiring contracts and hand out new deals so the three other I think off the top of my head they're expiring in 12 months time and the Canberra Keenan Davis and Traore, I think. Me and Matt did a video about keep or sell. I'm pretty sure they were the three. And then I think there was four or five players that were expiring the summer after, one of which is Ollie Watkins. He signed his contract or his last contract when he joined the club in 2020, which was a five-year deal, so expires (laughs) in 2025. Work out what you're going to do with the players that are contracts running out, people like Courtney Hawes, Keenan Davis, and Traore, like I mentioned, the comeback. Do you sell them out? Do you loan them? Do you keep them, obviously, and hand them new deals, which feels unlikely. Players that are in the first team and still useful to us, but on the fringes of their contracts expiring, i.e. Watkins, as he's the most notable, tie them down to a new deal if Emery still wants to keep him around the squad, which we assume he does want to. You don't want your your main, at the moment, your main striker having his contract running to the final 12 months. So you would expect a new deal for Ollie Watkins and the players that have got their contracts running out to be moved on. It's interesting
1: on that because I'm looking ahead to, as you mentioned, Dan, the summer after this summer. So I think you always have to look at which players are going to be going down to the last 12 months a year mm-hmm. ahead because... Firstly, Emery doesn't like, really, um, negotiating new contracts and deals with players when the season's already happening. He wants full focus on games and on the season. That's why Ashley Young wasn't informed whether he was leaving or not. and, And he was leaving up until the season had ended, which might seem a bit harsh, but it's full focus, isn't it? On, on the final games of the season that in in that situation. So uh, McGinn and Watkins, we know Emery wants to hand uh, new deals to, obviously. I think that's very important because you don't want to come into a situation where in 12 months, they've then got 12 months on the deal and all of a sudden you lose a bit of power in negotiations then, don't you? And other teams are circling around because they know that they can not necessarily get you for a cheaper price, but really won't have as much power as what they do now. So those two are really important to me. I think Leon Bailey's also 12 months left in 12 months' time. And I think Traore is the only one that's a decision will be made on for this summer, in terms of twelve months from now, maybe Villa will see will view that as a final opportunity to get any money for him. Hmm. I'm not too sure if he'll own a new deal. You know, we will wait and see. Obviously, Emery recalled him from his loan spell when he 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 did well to get his goals against Leicester and Forest. But ultimately, is that a player that's going to push Villa towards where they want to be, which is the top four in the next three two three years? I'm not too sure. So we'll see on that. Obviously, Nakamba and King and Davis, Courtney House a couple of other players will be allowed to leave permanently as well. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But I think that's crucial for me, Watkins and Miggin, Especially Watkins because, mm. well, sorry, both of them, but just on Watkins, we know that United have been monitoring him for the last uh, few months as well because they've got a bit of a striker crisis and they're being priced out of a lot of deals for Osserman, Harry Kane, other players as well. So they view Watkins as a, I say, cheaper alternative. Of course, he's not going to be cheap and mm. his price would be in excess of 50 million. For United, who... In trying to get that. Is it Rasmus Hoyland from Atalanta? I think he's north of 60 plus as well. So Tenag wants a striker who's going to score goals in the Premier League. And we know Watkins does that. And he gives it a lot mm-hmm. more as well. So potentially want to keep an eye on but again Villa are in a really good position and Watkins is in talks to sign a new deal anyway so by no means am I suggesting anything but I'm just saying that those players have got interest if Watkins scores near 20 goals next season and has 12 months on his deal that's an issue because then you've got clubs who are going to be in the Champions League looking looking at him sorry as an England international what he gives off the ball and yeah so hopefully that those talks will go well and villa will be announcing those deals hopefully before pre-season starts because again you don't want to sort of linger on those during the transfer window you want to just get it tied uh, get them both tied down and
0: and move on into the new season and the longer that take that process takes it becomes a talking point doesn't it you'll be off to press conferences asking about Ollie, Ollie Watkins every week yeah. if that deal c- continues to run down so yeah. if they want it to get done and Watkins wants to stay get it done number four and I'm aware of how I phrase this but at the moment I've got understand Aston Villa as a club. I don't know quite what I mean by that phrase alone, but he's been at Sevilla a long time. It is kind of my point here and he's been in Spain a long time and yes, he's had great success there and Sevilla have had great success whilst he's been there. People kind of point to the, the Roma years as a as a failure for for him in comparison to what he did at Sevilla. So he's been in Sevilla a big chunk of his career, <laughs> that rhymed. He goes to Roma and isn't successful, comes back to Sevilla and is, again, to an extent, successful again. So it's can he do it outside of Spain is part of the argument. So coming to the Premier League for a big club at Aston Villa with pressure of, we want to have aspirations to get into the top six and eventually the top four, winning trophies, yada, yada, yada. He's got to kind of adjust to a new, a new culture, I guess, and a, and a new a new workplace and an environment, a new setup. So it's all well and good. Again, I don't want to kind of diminish his career down to this, but it's all well and good having success in Spain. He's now got to find out how to translate that success into a different football club. Because Roma, you can't deny that it didn't work out It can't be that he goes now to his CV and it doesn't work out at Villa either. And he can only do it in Spain. So he needs to kind of adapt to the Premier League, I suppose is a better phrase than understand Aston Villa.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think working specifically with Emery is Mm, a massive um, bonus. And probably something that he viewed as... Well, if Emery wasn't there, I don't think I'd leave because he's been he's probably been burnt by Roma a little bit. The reason why he thought it didn't work out at Roma was literally that point of not understanding the club. So a quote that he said was, the big mistake was that I had little understanding of what Roma was, what it represented for the city, the fans and the press. When I realised that, it was really too late and he said that 95% of the responsibility was his. There were some mm-hmm. poor decisions made in the transfer market during his time yeah. there and it's a, he completely admits it. So working with Emery will be a big benefit For him, because he really knows the manager. He knows how he works. Where the issue in terms of adapting to that new club or new league would come is that he's now gonna to have to identify players who can play in the Premier League. And I don't want to sound I don't know I don't know, don't know what the right word is, but for example Alex Moreno comes in and is already playing like one of the best left backs in the Premier League. That argument might not hold up, but then it will in other it, um mm. in other cases. So we need to get that recruitment spot on. But again, I think that's where emery having experience of the Premier League and knowing what mm. what he needs that will help. Monchi's not coming in and working as I say with a manager that he doesn't know or uh with a group of you know, staff members that he's completely sort of unaware of how they work and it's going to take a pole transfer window for them to sort of get to know each other. Hopefully it's something that they can pick up right away and he starts work in July and I'd expect him to be like literally starting work from the 1st of July, if that makes sense. Whereas, Al-Amano, um would have been different I don't think we would have really had or he would have had much of an impact in some term, terms of the transfer window
0: yeah and also as much as he's kind of the things you read about him as being this like, football obsessive and, and will and drive to be the best ever yes he will officially start work from July 1st when his contract uh, expires say, from Sevilla and takes over Aston Villa or whatever but you're telling me that this guy is obsessed with football and, and knows Emery and, and wants to be in the Premier League and be successful he isn't already at least thinking about potential signings <laughs> and looking at the squad and stuff yeah. like in his spare time like yes he might not officially start till July the 1st but come on it's 20th of June now like if that was me I'd be going I can't wait to get over there like I'm going to look at everyone I'm going to watch games back I'm going to do this I'm going to do that so I want this guy like running the the place from day one number five is sign the right players and I put brackets Andrew, so sure. it's, it's like yeah they're like what do we even say here but it's difficult <laughs> isn't it a sporting director or whatever president of football operations or whatever he's mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be judged on what players he brings to Aston Villa and, Emery and how many of them are successful if on his watch we sign 10 players over the course of how many, how many seasons I'm not saying this window and 9 of them are successful to the first team or make villain money or whatever, you'd say, yes, he's done a great job and he's allowed to get one or two wrong. It's a very easy and obvious thing to say. It's almost like for a football manager saying, win games. For someone who's involved in transfers, sign the right players is an obvious thing to say. But in the high-pressure environment that is the Premier League and Aston Villa wanting to be successful, we can't afford to have him make the mistakes he made at Roma.
1: It's like an overriding point of Villa have to get their recruitment correct to get anywhere near the Champions League. And yeah, of course. we done extremely well to um or Emory's done extremely well or, as of the players, but to have the impact that he's had uh since taking over that again, he couldn't do that with any players. So I think it's a positive for a start that he's clearly got a, a group that are um, willing to play in his way and have performed in that way too which is great but you always have to adapt and overcome um, that sounds like a motivational speech you always have to adapt and overcome different <laughs> tests in the Premier League and teams are always going to improve and teams will always work you out as well and Emery will be very much aware of that so it's about adapting the way you play for different games it's about having the right players that you can call them to do just that and that's why it's so important that Villa's recruitment is basically spot on from now until you know they get around those positions and villa won't be competing for the top four without four or five very you know they don't have to be star names if they all have the impact alex moreno has had and yeah um, and, you know in, in that sense then then they'll be around those positions i don't doubt it because we've seen the impact they can have over the course of 25 games we'll see how it impacts us um in european competitions but again with emery for me i think the way that he prepares for games and the the way that his players have say sort of taken to his ideas. I can't see him huge drop-off in terms of results or performances in the league anyway. The only doubt would be fitness, but they're professional footballers and I'm sure they could play twice um, every week or maybe even three times. Yeah, recruitment is key. That's the one th- that's the one hurdle. Well, there's a few hurdles, but that's the key hurdle that we'll have to get over to get near the Champions League. And if they do get it right, they'll be competing for it. So that's how important it is. And that's how Im- how much of an important role Monchi has. Because if Villa are anywhere near the Champions League in the next three four years, which is the aim, Monchi will still be here, of course. And mm. yeah, he'd have played a key role. So the position he has is extremely important. He'll be backed by the owners to make the right decisions and he'll be given money to spend. So as long as him and Emery can work out between them, <laughs> then... Yeah, hopefully, Villa are only going in, in
0: uh, one direction. The penultimate job on Monchi's to do list is hatch a plan for the under 21s in terms of sending them out on loan, who stays around. And that's not purely Monchi's role or decision uh, in, in some aspects. I know that Mila Jedinač was there uh, as a loan player development coach, uh, thanks to a quick Google. Uh, and Adam Henshaw as well, who t- I think turned down a role at Stoke recently as head of emerging talents and loans so you know it's their remit to, to look after those players but obviously Monchi again in the hierarchy is the guy at the top so he's got a, a hand in that in that task as well a lot of promising youth players that Aston Villa whether it's for Aston Villa in the Premier League in the top six or whether it's to create footballers in the football league and to go on and have good careers there is talent in 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 amongst the, the, the youth ranks at Aston Villa so it's that it's working out what to do with them, who's going to come into the first team and have an impact and and work with Emery, who's not at the level to make the cut in the, in the top half of the Premier League and will be loaned out but keep an eye on and who is, unfortunately, surplus to requirements. There's talent there that needs to be uh, managed, I guess, and uh, like I said, it's not purely Monty's decision because we've got people in place at the club to look after the lo- the and the youth players. But again, something to be wary of on his kind of introduction to the club, I guess.
1: I think the main crossover is those players who are on the fringes of the first team, or when mm. or when they return to uh, Baltimore for preseason, they'll be they won't be expecting to be training with the under twenty ones, um, because you've got a group of you know eighteen, nineteen year olds to do that now. So your likes of Cameron Archer, Timmy Rubinum. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Philogene, Kane Kessler. Who that's an interesting one because he's obviously been playing for the Premier League Two side after coming back from Huddersfield. Didn't make an appearance even off or on the bench. Sorry, in the Premier League games after mm. coming back from Huddersfield. So that's a weird one. Especially as I mean, Dash Leung was there and Matt Cash was both there for the right back situation. But I know Cash was injured a couple of times and he still didn't make the bench. So yeah, strange one. Than that, Jaden Philogene. We know Stoke have a firm interest in signing mm. him in the summer that could get done. And again, he'd be allowed to leave. Karen Archer, obviously we don't know yet. That's going to be a wait and see for pre-season, I suppose. But whatever happens, whether I think it's a success story for Villaret, sort of whatever. And I say that because... If he was to leave, I think he'd be banking 15 million plus, in my opinion, to under 21. England international scores goals, which is probably the hardest thing to do in football. I don't think you could settle any- for anything less than that. And that would then potentially limit the clubs that would be interested in him. I don't know. I want him to stay around and I want him to be involved because I-, I think he has to be given the chance to have a, to have a player who has the skill set that he has. And, you know, he's a local lad as well, which obviously helps us fans. Um get behind him I'd love him to stay around I just don't know if he will because Villa obviously want to recruit another striker and only in the Europa Conference League I think would Arch get minutes but then again even that's not given because we've seen Emery's very particular with his bench as well sometimes so Tim Arubin I presume would be going back out on loan not sure if he's ready to be playing under Emery yet we'll see again potentially good loan at QPR very very sort of up and down in terms of for them for Tim mm. I'm sure he played well I confess I, haven't, I didn't watch him every week but again that's the job of Adam Henshaw and uh, Mila Jednak to to be watching them and deciding what's best for their futures and Monty again we will have a say in that because some of them will cross over in the first team and will be given a chance to impress in pre-season too so we'll wait and see what happens but yeah there's, there's a lot of players that are going to need loans a lot of players who are coming back from loans so it's like a whole um, whole other division the uh, the academy yeah. side at the moment especially because Villa are going so big on it which
0: is great to see The final thing on Monty's Villa to-do list, the kind of overlaps with the thing, a couple of things we've already spoken about and it's a settle into the new working structure at Aston Villa. Now, again, that's kind of working with Emory, recruiting the right players, loans, kind of talked about a few things that, that that kind of encompasses. I'm reading this straight off the Villa website here. You've got Monchi as the club's new president of football operations You've right? who is the head coach at the moment yeah. johan langer will assume a key role as global director of football development and international academies damian vidigani will assume the role of director of football operations you've got chris heck who is the president of business operations some great job titles going around there by the way like it sounds it sounds good if nothing else right. it's not specifically a, a monchy thing this because it's a, a restructure of the club as a whole but it's it's now. It's not just coming in and going like, sitting in body more, next to an Emery's old pal and, and trying to work things out together. Like I said, it's a whole thing now at Villa and it's it's settling into that. And I know that kind of crosses paths with recruit the right players and understand the club and these kind of things but it just felt like a separate point that almost for us as well as supporters to get used to this this new kind of system like yeah for Montreal specifically it's coming in and working within this different structure that he's probably not used to and villa and we as fans and supporters aren't used to either
1: i think it's a very exciting change because it sort of separates it and we know exactly who's doing what well not exactly but we know yeah. we know the roles whereas before it was um it was a different obviously structurally yeah, had Christian Persler, as CEO, um, which sort of sort of dipping your toes in both, which I'm not too sure how um helpful that might have been in certain situations. I think it's better to have specialists in all areas. People like Langer, for example, have made a really good impression on people at the club and come under quite a lot of criticism at certain points for different transfers and whatever. But again, we're not privy to what exactly happens behind behind the scenes. And as I say, clearly has made a good impression on a lot of people there. So I'm glad that he's been given a really important role as well. Staying on the football side, yeah, obviously Montreal, president of Football Operations, that's like a, I suppose you could call it like a sporting director type of role in terms of working in recruitment, working with uh, the recruitment staff and obviously Emery to identify what players he wants for his first team. Vidigani as well, yeah, knows... Uh, Emery very well worked with him for four years in Valencia from 2008 to 2012. They've known each other for a very long time and they've Mm. worked with each and collaborated with each other after Valencia as well. So, clear very good relationship there too, which is you know very good in terms of you know the football side of things, business side of things. I hold my hands up and say I'm not too sure how that works in terms of uh, I think us, us being a football podcaster being football fans we, we're sort of more attracted to the recruitment and transfers and scouting things like that but the business side um, will let Chris Heck crack on with what <laughs> with what looks like a really interesting job as well uh, president of business operations and it, again I, there's not a whole lot of detail we can go into there but I'm sure he's the right man for the job considering the work and the job that he did at uh, is it the 76ers there's, mm. there's a lot of numbers in American football and American sports I don't think it's American football that. that <laughs> that franchises. <laughs> um, so I'll stop talking about Chris X business operations now. But yeah, it, just in general, I think the structure, I think they've probably got it spot on now because it's, again, you, you know what you're looking at.
0: So those are the seven things on Munchie's Aston Villa to-do list as he starts work on July the 1st. It's exciting, isn't it? I think it's the overarching kind of feeling at the moment. It feels yeah. like off the pitch, Villa are doing all the right things. It's now just, like we said, recruit the right players, have a great pre-season. Yeah learn things, get together, work together, start gelling as a squad and hopefully come match day one on August thirteenth, I think it is. Twelfth. Thirteenth. Twelfth. Be fighting, be ready, raring to go and start winning games as soon as possible and, and hopefully Villa are, are fully geared up for success. Exactly that. Villa have got everything sort behind the scenes,
1: spot on now. I think it's about putting it all into practice. And yeah, it would just be interesting to see how it sort of plays out in the coming weeks as well. Because as you say it's it's new for everyone. So Again, we're not privy to see what happens at Poddymore Heath, but um, I'm sure it'll be a change for most people at the club. But having those people that you know, like um, Emery knows Monchi and they all... Vidigani as well. I think that helps it a lot. It's like sort of a new day at school, but you already know your classmates, sort of thing, (laughs) um, which is only a good thing. So,
0: yeah, that'll do us for today's episode. Then, thank you very much, John, for your time and insight as ever. For people watching along on YouTube, if you want to get involved in the comment section, you might think of another three or four things on on to do list. If you listen to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from, uh, leave us a positive review. They're very helpful. On YouTube, if you subscribe to the channel, you get notifications when we upload, and the more subscribers we get, the more views we get the bigger and better things we can do as a podcast as well so thank you for all your support as always we'll be back later in the week with a another video until then thank you very much for watching and we'll see you very soon